Hi guys, and welcome back to You're On Crackmate, the podcast where we delve into films, television series, and whatever takes our fancy, really, analysing and reviewing them to the point where we've been told flat out, you're on crackmate. This week I am very lucky to be joined by my good friend Inda Peters, who I first met while handing a burrito over a counter. Inda, thank you so much for joining me. Hey Sean, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. I have to say now I'm very excited for this episode because we're going to talk about the masterpiece that is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yep. It's funny because considering how iconic the TV series became, a surprising amount of people haven't seen this film. Definitely. Um, I mean, you and I have discussed the movie before and uh, you tried to encourage me to watch it before, even just, you know, for the, the verse, the lore of Buffy. Um, I vehemently denied, uh, you know, refused and did not want to do it. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I eventually caved in and I have to say, I'm actually quite thankful for you that you made me watch it because I actually enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> so I'm glad I finally got you to watch the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you made me actually, um, it was just, it was a lot of fun and I I have to say I did try to watch the movie years ago when, you know, Buffy was, was hot and happening and I was about, what was I, 9, 10, maybe 11 years old and I remember seeing the trailer for it in a movie and then I remembered, you know, you see uh, Luke Perry and Christy Sonson and I was like, wait, that's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. So I, I was like, I don't want to watch that because to me, even though it was like, you know, the original, the original script, well, not the one they a- just actually wanted filmed, but it was the original story or Buffy's origins, basically. Um, but because it wasn't Sarah Michelle Gellar, like we all see Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy. She's our Buffy and that's just it. No one else could ever be Buffy. Um, so it, to me, it felt like when you get, you know, the ripoff toy. So let's say for your sake, like if you would get a Star Trek toy from your grandparents, but they wouldn't be actual Star Trek, they would just be bad ripoffs from the Euro shop or something. Um, for me, it was like, you know, it was like when my dad bought the ripoff Spice Girls dolls, like I still had them, but I wasn't too happy with them because they weren't the original dolls. So that's what the movie felt like to me when I watched it. And I just turned it off midway because I was like, I, I do not have time for this. This is awful. But now I'm older and I watched it. And I have more of appreciation of, um, you know, movies of, of their time, like nostalgic movies, but also like silly movies, you know. Um, so I, I feel like I, it, it was better for me to, watch, to have watched the movie now because I was just able to appreciate it more and of its own thing rather than as a whole, uh, uh, as a part of the whole Buffy package, basically. I, I think so. I think you've basically, you, you mentioned something there that hit it on the head. Uh, when we say something's of its time, I, I feel there was a really strong 80s vibe off it. Now, I know it was 90s in that it was 1992, yeah. but it was so early 90s. I mean, I, I catch myself thinking of, say, The Lost Boys a lot yeah. during this film. I think there's Same. there's a lot of, if not direct crossover, then certainly a lot of love between the two. Now, I think the film has such an interesting backstory that we, we will go into that now in a moment um mm-hmm. the uh, the plot of the film is fairly straightforward um you know the blonde damsel in distress walks down an alleyway and the vampire attacks and the vampire realizes he's bitten off way more than he can chew 
sort of sums up the film in a way. But, you know, there's... It was... I, I read a very good review that said it, it's a film of two halves that doesn't massively succeed in being two different halves. In that you have the first half where Christy Swanson is the valley girl. She's she's shallow. She's she's vapid, and she's supposed to become then this very deep character who has grown an awful lot in the second half. And you know, with all respect to Christy Swanson, that's that's a tall order for any actress. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I don't think the movie really pulls it off to where they wanted to. But so in in as brief away as you can what did you think of this movie um well i enjoyed it for what it was but that's maybe because i could appreciate you know because i knew what time it when it was made what time it was made in you know and it was like if you're looking for the horror buffy you know a bit of more like proper horror dark side kind of movies then that's not it it has some dark aspects of it um it's not as dark as the original script was um but it is, it, it is more funny. Um, and like the original script, uh, Joss Whedon, you know, turned that into a comic book with uh, Dark Horse Comics and it's called The Origin. And I actually, I, I have it at home and I've read it years ago. And w after I watched the movie last week, I just uh, had a read of the, the original again. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot darker, I have to say. Um, but generally the movie was fun. Um, Christy Swanson is not a bad Buffy. I don't think so. Um, you know, I like, like, Luke Perry's character was, yeah, he was, like, a, a, a good cross between, like, Xander and Angel. I found him more Xander-y, basically. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just fun. You know, it was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would, to be honest. I, I, I was the same. I, I think it was about 10 years ago that I watched it for the first time. I remember being very, very young, um, maybe nine or ten and I would go up to the video shop and the you know the white cover where it's Buffy with the stake and Luke Perry's popping his head out behind her yeah. that would always yeah. stand out on the shelf and then I would turn it over and the images of the vampires in that movie used to really disturb me the pointed ears and the pointed teeth and you had Paul Rubin's character on the back and you had yeah. a, a scene that was uh, eventually cut from the film, but the picture was on the back of the, the VHS cover, which I think Gruber was being turned into a vampire, I think by a young Seth Green, in fact. That's correct. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was, that was really, really disturbing. So then, you know, when I got to the film 10 years on, I had done a bit of reading about it, you know, um, yeah. and... Uh, I, actually, sorry, I just realised that I've missed 10 years of my life there. It was not 10 years between <laughs> now and uh, the middle of... Anyway, right, I'll move swiftly along. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, I remember sticking it on. And the first time I watched it, I will admit, I was just... Uh, I was like, it's not doing it for me. I don't know, where, wherever I am, I'm not even seeing the funny side of it. But in re-watching it for this podcast, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have to say, I thought it was it was certainly you know it was camp, mm -hmm. it was it was silly, it was that you know it was a teen comedy. Um, That's it, and yeah. it just happened to have vampires in it. Um, it was just sorry to interrupt. Um, no, it was just closer to like um, it was closer to like almost like not another teen movie or all those or or, mm -hmm. or, or scary movie rather than 
you know, the Lost Boys direction and stuff. And even though Lost Boys, for example, we, we've referred that a few times, it's good movies of the 80s. Sure, you know, the stories are a little bit gimmicky and stuff, but, um, you know, it's, it's still quite dark, you know, and this was more silly. Like, you don't see... You don't see anyone getting bitten. There's no sign of blood. You know, some of the acting is extremely overdone. But I think that's like if you just take the movie as a standalone movie from the 90s, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of fun. Um, I think yeah. so. I think I think it's harmless. I think the the stellar success of the TV show ironically has been a disservice to the film. And yet I certainly understand the criticism and it. I, I totally understand why Joss Whedon wasn't happy with how the movie turned out. I you know I get that. We're fortunate mm-hmm. enough that we have his pure vision of Buffy in the you know in the TV show in the comics. Um, mm-hmm. I you know we're we're lucky in that we have that. And odd as it is, you kind of have to look at them as two separate beings, even though yeah. the TV show came from the film. But you re- you can't really argue. I feel that they're from the same universe. Um, you, you say you can't, or you can really. I would argue. say I would say you can't really argue that. Okay. I mean, like they they both they feature, yeah, you know, obviously yeah, the Slayer yeah, and yeah. vampires and everything. But yeah, well, it's the fact as well that it's in LA, you know. So yeah. it's like we know Sunnydale to be a lot darker and stuff, and it has its silly moment. It's more dark than silly, but LA, like, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be mad if people wanted it to see as like you know the show prequel. Because it isn't LA, it's a you know, different city, different place, it's her old high school. So things are just a little bit different. Like not everywhere has to be like Sunnydale, mm. for example. So yeah, it's, it's it's definitely the same universe, but I wouldn't even mind if it was, you know, the exact same time and everything, the time and space it takes place in. I, I agree as well. I think um I know that there's a few inconsistent so when I say inconsistencies, there was a few rewrites on both sides. There was rewrites for the film and there was rewrites then when it came TV series. So, for example, in the movie, yeah. Christy Swanson is older than Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy, who we meet because she is a senior in high school, whereas we meet Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy as a sophomore. Um, yeah. And I think for the film, I think that works because you have this idea of... They, and they make the joke about it at the end. They have this idea about, you know, the dance that, you know, it's the end of year, we're graduating. And then, of course, the other girl goes, well, it's actually, it's not the end of the year prom. It's, it's not the last dance. Playing up on the silliness that we assign to these yeah. things, which, you know, I have to say, yep, yeah, 100%, I've assigned that silliness to the, the events of my final year in school, which was neither today nor yesterday, I can tell you. Um, hmm. But it's... It's zany, but just below, like, openly taking the piss out of itself. Um, I think there, the, the one moment... Sorry, there's, there was two moments I noticed that are, I feel, breaking the fourth wall. One was the, the Paul Rubens death scene, which we'll yeah. come back to because it deserves <laughs> a longer talk. <laughs> yeah. But there was another one, that, that vampire friend of theirs, Gruber... There is a scene, it's they're, they're attacking the prom, Hilary Swank is screaming, you know, oh, I think they're going after Buffy, and Gruber, I don't know if this was directed or not, he turns around, looks directly at the camera, winks, and then goes into the thing, and I thought, I don't, how did you get away with that? <laughs> that was, yeah. was, for the whole film up to that point, it has been 
you know, if not serious, and it had certainly been there was a fourth wall, and this one he was just, it's like he was saying to the audience, you know what's about to happen, I know what's about to happen, let's make it happen. Yeah, exactly. It was like a little like a little cheeky wink, you know, a cheeky little nod to the audience, like where the film does make a little fun of itself. Um, and then you wonder, like, was that obviously we all know it wasn't Whedon's idea, but like, was that the idea of the director then to do that? You know, I, or I, was it like an improv from the actor just to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do this and go with it. And if they put it in, great. I, I, I would actually, I would like to think that it was improv. Now, I, I don't know if it was because I, I know as well because uh, Fran Rubel Kazoi, Kaz- uh, again, terrible apologies now if I have mis- missaid that, but I know that she directed it. That, that was one of Joss Whedon's issues yeah, was yeah. how she chose to direct the film and Correct. to make it into more of a screwball comedy. And... You see, I, I, mm, we, we have the benefit of hindsight. We know how well the TV series did. Yeah. But if you were an executive in, ni- let's say, 1991, let's say they're pitching this film, and someone says to you, I want to do this really serious film, you know, all these teens, it hasn't mm-hmm. been done before, let's do this. You know, I could understand, again, what, what do you have to go on? You have, you know, The Lost Boys, which had comedy in its own right. You had... Fright Night, which mm-hmm. again had comedy in its own right, you know, you didn't really have a comparison of that being successful. Whereas you had plenty of comparisons of teen comedies doing yeah. very well. So I can I can understand the thinking if I still I I still will probably be a fan of the TV series now until until Kingdom Come, but mm. I I don't think this movie deserves some of the hate that it's received. No, it, it definitely doesn't. I just think it's fun. Um, I think it's, I don't know, I don't think the newer generations, unless they're into it, they won't appreciate it as much. I feel that they've missed that big gap of, you know, movies being being a little fun, being a little camp, you know, like people knowing like this, we know it's a bit of a silly movie, but we're going with it. And that's what makes it so great. Um, like Idle Hands, for example. Oh, yes. You yeah. know, that one's pretty funny as well. Um, but I was thinking like as well, what I wanted to add on to what you said of, you know, having enough of teen movies but not enough of horror uh, or vampire movies as well because the vampire movies we know are quite dark and sinister or not even necessarily sinister but they're quite serious you know like bram stoker's dracula Mm -hmm. they're all quite serious they've never been put into the context of buffy or to that extent um and then with teen movies it's obviously she was meant to be joss's spin on the final girl like instead of the girl you know, who dies or just about makes it out on pure luck. She actually, you know, this is a girl who who has to face the problems head on. She's the one who has to kill them. She is the one who has to go after the bad guys rather than the bad guys go after her. Um, so obviously that was, I don't know if studio execs at the time were ready for it, to put it that way, especially for the movie. Because like Kirstie uh, Swanson, you know, beautiful girl. I don't think she was known for much at the time. But at the time as well, her look, you know, the beautiful blonde-haired girl and having, you know, like the popular girls as bimbos in the movie and they don't care about any anything other than shopping and basically just like, uh, you know, screwing each other over for the latest jackets and mm-hmm. stealing each other's boyfriends like that. They were quite vapid. And that's what for a while, and especially in teen comedies, girls were mostly allowed to be, you know, the, at least in the 90s. I know we've had... 
you know, teen shows. I mean, we have, you've had Mo Molly Ringwald, you know, but she was like, she was the popular girl in Breakfast Club, I guess. Yes, um, yeah. In most of her movies, she wasn't really, but she wasn't the typical, you know, blonde, bimbo kind of popular girl. And that's what, you know, Buffy, this kind of version of Buffy was meant to be. And when you see her at the start of the movie, it is completely different. You're like, wait, who is this? This is not Buffy. But we cannot forget that Buffy was once like that. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's, it's good that, that the, the change is there as well, which we'll come to later. But um, having that said, there has to be a first. And I think this was a good, even though you know, it was his first rendition of Buffy, um, there were a lot of changes made by not just by Joss, but by Fran, but also by uh, Donald Sutherland himself, apparently. Yes. So um, which caused a lot of friction on set. Um, and understandably, I get it. You know, if you have a certain product, you don't want other people start changing it. You know, we can I suppose we can go into the characters in a, in a few minutes if that's what you wanted to do. But um, yeah, it's just it's just they had a, they didn't have a blueprint for this kind of movie, so they had to kind of make it their own. And I guess Fran was just kind of trying to go off by like what's hot right now, you know, what could make this movie a good hit. And um, I, I think the movie did, even though it gets a lot of hate and it they say it didn't do well according to box office. I mean, I think it cost six million to make, and they grossed more than that. Like they did. I actually, yeah, I, I had a look at like this just before. Or something? It, they grow. That's it exactly. They grossed sixteen, and it cost nine. So it's oh, still. Yeah, yeah. It can almost be considered, you know, a success. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, well, today's box office takes are just insane. So, but you know, it, it's still. It didn't. It didn't double what it. Yeah. Uh, what it cost but it did make a good chunk of it back and then let's let's keep in mind you know dvds well at the time video sales video rentals mm -hmm. and then later obviously dvd sales um you know it's it's certainly not a flop but mm -hmm. it has in a way largely been forgotten yeah. except when it's been you know retconned into the the continuity of the tv show now, I mean, for better or worse, um, and I'm certain that Mr. Whedon would argue <laughs> for worse, the fact that, uh, you know, it, it happened when it did and they owned a bit of the rights. Well, Fran and her husband, Kaz, they got to have a little bit of the uh, pie for all of the TV series oh, and all did. of Angel. Yeah, well. they uh, had to be credited as um, ex executive producers or co-executive producers for all of that because she directed the Buffy movie. So lucky them. Exactly. Good, good, good for her. Good Terrible for, for uh, Joss Whedon, but good for yeah. her. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think for like Christy Swanson as well, because like they didn't really give her, you know, I think this was meant to be a bit to showcase her. I mean, apart from being the bimbo part. And so Chris Buffy was meant to go through such a transition. It's like they didn't give her enough time to do it. So she didn't really get to, you know, she didn't really have much time to showcase that. That's that development yeah, that's and that fil the film was also I think it was only filmed within like a few weeks because of uh, Luke Perry. He was on 90210. That was it. It was filmed in five weeks, which, yeah. you know, on for larger productions, that's not a lot of time. That's definitely you, not. You know, no. smaller productions. Yes. OK, five weeks. It's tight, but you can get it done definitely. for a larger. And I mean, yeah. and there was. There was some serious talent in this film. Now, I'm not saying that that talent was, <laughs> came across very well, but, you know, you had Donald Sutherland, you mm -hmm. had uh, Rutger Perry, Hauer. Obviously, Rutger Hauer. Yes, of course. So you, you had you had A-listers 
in this. Definitely. This wasn't, you know, your, you know, kind of your your small, we'll knock it out in a weekend movie. Yeah, yeah. And then you have obviously, um, uh, what's her name? Who plays her friend again? I forgot her name now. Hil- Hillary Swank. Hillary in her Swank. First Film. Yeah, yeah. First film, you see Ben Affleck making an appearance. Um, Seth Green plays the vampire, but that's cut out. Um, and the funny thing is, is like I was watching it and I recognize now. I don't know if you've watched Twin Peaks yet or not, but when she takes the bike of one of those bikers, you know, and then the guy who falls to the ground, he, that's Leo from Twin Peaks. Now, if you haven't seen Twin Peaks, it will mean nothing to you. But I clocked it. I was like, I recognize the hair and stuff. And then I, I had to rewind there. And I was like, that's Leo from Twin Peaks. And that's very, that's a very random, uh, yeah, it's a very random appearance, I Quite thought, like, anyway. I have to say, to my eternal shame, I haven't caught Twin Peaks yet. <laughs> now, people who, who are listening, whoever's listening and whoever's watched it, um, yeah, I say take a look because that is definitely him. But he's not credited, though. Um but maybe it was just like a little extras role or an uncredited appearance. You never know. Well, that could There's be a lot of those. Twin Peaks. What were the years of Twin Peaks? Do you, do you know just off the top of your head? Uh, top of my head. Was it? I think it was around the same time. Because um, I remember you had the children under their stairs came out and they used the same actors. Um, let me just double check. No, it's before that even. That's 90 what I, and 91. 1991. That's what... Because yeah. I was trying to think which came first. So, so definitely. So... You know, Twin Peaks had been out, so... Okay, yes, this is... It might have just been a random appearance, don't know. Very possible. He could have been, you know, sitting there with his bike and some random girl comes up to steal his bike. He doesn't realise it's a film. Fair enough. But um, (laughs) that could have happened. I mean, it happens here often enough with my phone, so... True. (laughs) Um, Anyway, no, what I did find very funny while watching this movie, though, is the fact that, okay, first of all, Merrick approaches Buffy, right? You're the slayer. Uh, you have to kill all of them. Come to the come to the um, come to the cemetery with me. I'll show you. I mean, huh? I know she catches him out on. You're not one of those creeps, Arya, that like you know harasses younger girls or lures them somewhere. But still, she goes. What is up with that? Why does she still go along with this man to the you know to the cemetery? Like he was able to describe her dreams and hey, stuff. Exactly. That was it. Like, like you know, you know my dreams, so I will go to the cemetery with you. <laughs> Well, That's you know, I, I've had people describe my dreams to me. It doesn't mean I'm going anywhere with them. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, then again, I don't have supernatural strength, so. Yeah, yeah. And then also the whole bit of, um, well, um, we were talking about the principal knocking Hillary Swank out in the end. Oh, my God. Yeah. What I just, was that? What was that? <laughs> Stephen Root, who um, people might recognize from Get Out, from True Blood, uh, he's 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 been in quite a few things. He plays the the principal in this film, and he's something of a prototype of uh, Flutie would be uh, yes. when the series starts. You know, he's sort of I understand you, students. I'm I'm cool. I'm with it. Well, yeah. at the end, in the, the prom, you've got Hilary Swank as you know she's she's freaking out, and he just comes along and slams her head against a wall, and nothing probably, more is said of it. Probably given her a concussion as well. Anyone who stuck around for the end credits, there's there's interviews with the survivors of the, the prom massacre. And it cuts to her and she's there. I'm very happy to accept this title of Miss America. So yeah. she's definitely got some damage from it. Should she, uh, yeah, should she not be checked for that? Should she not be kept in a hospital? I was kind of worried there. Um, and what was the other one oh, I was talking about? Um, 
uh, they were going to the graveyard. Uh, so Merrick walks to, up. Yeah, yeah, they were going to. And then the fact that he snuck up on her in the girl's locker room. Yeah. Uh, Does nobody else see this man wandering get around? There? Do you not see a full-grown, tall-ass man walking through a high school into the girl's locker room? If he got in through a window, how big is that window? And how far open does that, you know, how far does that open? Um, and of course, I'd be thinking now, as, as a man sitting in Dublin, even though the weather is lovely outside, you know, is that poor man not walking around the beautifully sunny California, mm. melting in those overcoats and, and all of that, and yet he just manages to hold his, yeah. hold his own. Um, I, wish, I, I wish I had uh, his constitution. <laughs> and um, what's the bit where he... Oh, what was I going to say there? Um, oh, yeah, and then the training montage, obviously. You know, this oh, is yes. how Buffy becomes Buffy. She gets... Oh, no, wait, sorry, before I go on to that, because I was thinking of the stunts there. When he first meets Buffy... Right, so Buffy is a cheerleader. She is not just a cheerleader. She's the head cheerleader. Mm -hmm. She's in front. She's in the front, middle, front, right, center of the entire squad. And then we see her doing backflips, and he walks in saying, those are some nice backflips or something. It's... uh, 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 No, because I I would... Who do we criticize? Do we criticize the screenplay or Donald Sutherland? Who I don't know. Was, <laughs> he was but quite, like, quite well known for just like, and I will say this in this she's scene. A, she's a head cheerleader. Of course, she's able to do backflips. Like it's not. It's, she's of course she has to be strong and flexible. She's a head cheerleader. It's just like that doesn't make her the chosen one. And then the fact that she gets cramps, like her oh her goodness. her spider sense, her Slayer tingle. That's her cramps. I mean, as, as she says How? herself, great. My superpower is PMS. And oh my goodness, yeah. I thought like anything else, anything, you know, kind of, a, you know, a flash <laughs> no. in the brain or a tingling toe or something. But no, it's, it's, it's cramps. Because yeah. what does yeah. every woman need while going into a punch up is cramps. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Definitely. If I'm getting attacked in a pub, I would like to be notified. I would like my uterus to notify me beforehand by giving me severe cramps. Oh, that's good, just, good to that's know. Just, I'll make sure that happens. Good, yeah, no, that's just going to. That's the way to solve the issue, obviously, because also severe cramps really make me want to get up and start punching people. Oh, it, it reminds mean, me of those <laughs> ads you see on TV where these like love happy women are riding horseback and bicycles during, and I thought, what bloody universe? Anyway, well, this this yeah, writing came from that universe. Uh, that's good. And then, um, what about um, her boyfriend? calling her his thang and his best friend literally sexually assaulting her like and he just like grabs her by the butt and says i need me some or something like that to that extent like what if what like if one of my boyfriend's best friends would grab me like that he would punch him now i okay puffy did buffy did that herself Uh, but still like what's up with that I, I i was watching it and i was going you know is this something of a combination of, you know, for its time and, oh, we'll have a great, you know, we'll, we'll show Buffy skills. And as you say, she does. She puts him on his ass. But, I mean, he deserves an awful lot more than that and would have deserved an awful lot more of that in any situation. Um, because, yeah, because he does, I mean, not that it makes, not that the strength of the bomb slap makes any kind of difference, but he full on <laughs> grabs her. Full uh. on, yeah. And and then the fact that like he's all emasculated because he's not needed anymore, and it's just like, okay, boohoo, you know, he's a, 
He's not really a, gr a great boyfriend. Great boyfriend material, anyway. He's not winning any awards for being the best boyfriend. No. Um, because all they seem to do is make out, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there it's was. Very, I think in yeah. the training montage, isn't there? You know, his big scene is she runs up, she kisses him. She runs off, she runs back and kisses him, and that's yeah. his big scene. Good for him. There is no, there is no substance to the relationship. Okay, how much substance can there be if you're meant to be like what, seventeen, eighteen? Mm. Not that much, I guess. Um, and considering she's meant to be one of the vapid cheerleaders, you know, um, just bizarre, then, bizarre. Yeah. We have then uh, as well. So uh, now this is obviously a Hollywood trope. You, you cast act, uh, older mm -hmm. actors and actresses to be your your teens, and that's fine. Yes. And then we have Luke Perry, who God bless him, was well into his twenties at this point. Uh, now I, I'll yeah. say as well, the late great Luke Perry obviously sadly passed away last year. R.I.P. Um, yeah. Uh, as did, unfortunately, Rutger Hauer, the two, within several months of each other. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I have to say, Luke Perry, I mean, he was obviously cast to capitalise on the 90210 fame, and that's fine. But I think he actually delivers a really good performance. I think you, you said it very well. He is, uh, he's a mashup of what would become Xander. And, a, a, you yeah. know, you can see he enters the, the prom at the end. I mean... Was that scene lifted and dropped into the uh, yeah. and, and the jacket? Yeah. Exactly. There's there's angel in him as well. And obviously they went darker with angel. They they yeah. took it in a different direction. Yeah. But uh, I I do like the splitting of that character. But I like that he's all in one. I I think the fact that it's a feature film, you know, you have time restraints, and so there's you know, yeah corny gags where you know okay right we're, we're obviously trying to hit a quota. Here. Everything um, has to be wrapped up in one sentence, basically. Uh, yeah. You oh, want to know the history? Oh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think he pulls it off really, really well. Um, I think you know, in a in a role that could be hammed up, that could be done as because uh, he is for a lot of it, he is the damsel in distress. Yes. And I think he does it without making it silly. Yeah, but also the fact that he's like seen his friend turn like. Uh, David Arquette, who we forgot to mention earlier, Sorry, who's David. floating outside his, <laughs> who's floating outside his window, asking to be invited in, and like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, invite me in. Um, I love that. I mean, it, that was that was a big Lost Boys moment for me. You know, when Michael starts floating outside the window, I was like, ah, yeah, okay. And he's and and he's able to see it with his own eyes and being like, this town is crazy. I gotta get out of here. And yet he stays to help Buffy. Um, I think as well. Just yeah. it's funny because you're you're right. Obviously, there is there's a, a callback to the Lost Boys. I think both this and the Lost Boys owe a debt to Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot, because that yeah. scene from Salem's Lot of uh, the the little boy tapping on the glass that is still turns up on scariest moments from <laughs> you know vampire histories. But uh, I I like I I think it was what was the line is what are you on. Uh, Luke Perry says to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah, David yeah. Arquette, and of course it's yeah. a it's a question of two meanings, isn't it? Because you know there's the literal, what are you standing on? But also, mate, what are you on? You know, because what drugs are you taking? Absolutely, <laughs> like... one might even say you're on crack, mate. A little bit of a plug there. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey thank you very much. Yes, <laughs> marketing. Two marketing. episodes in, and you already got to do that. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. But, thank um, you. But I actually, now obviously, I mean, Rodger Hauer, you know, one of the biggest names of the movie. Mm. What is his, what is that rendition of Lothos? Because he looked like he was styled by Prince and no offense to Prince. <laughs> he could pull it off, but Lothos is not meant to be Prince. 
What's with the gloves and the and the, the frilly clothes? And is he stylish? What's going on there? And um, you know, it's it's just it was just really funny. And then the way he's playing violin, and when he meets uh, when he meets Buffy for the first time, he could have easily killed her, but he doesn't want her until she's ready That's because right, she hasn't yeah. quite ripened yet, or something. He says it's something to that extent, and that just sent me shivers down my spine. I was like, please do not tell me that was in the original script. It sounds so gross and so predatory and so wrong in so many ways massively massively like she's my destiny or something but no i yeah please correct me if i'm wrong but is that explained at any point of the film as to why she's his destiny it's, it's wrapped up so they don't exactly say why we all we know that uh, throughout the entire every generation and every point of history there's a slayer who apparently all look like christy swanson and there's merrick who trains her and then there's lothos uh he's the leader of the vampires he's the head vampire or whatever you want to call him and uh they don't really give him a name for that i don't think he's just known as lothos mm. and they don't really say what he is we all know he's the leader and under his reign basically they all get to take over the world or the city or wherever it is they are every time and every time it's it's the story it's a like history repeating itself you know it's like groundhog day for every different generation it's just like slayer gets trained meets lotos dies because he drinks the slayer blood um now i know in the show it is often conf it's often said like slayer blood is different and it can make va vampires are you know stronger but like is that the case for the movie is that what happens is that why he needs to drink her or does he just drink her to kill her so he'll survive, he'll win, and bam, that's the Slayer done. Until then, for the next, what, 16, 17 years, until that one gets found and trained. And then there's another question to the whole lore then. It's like, are these girls all Christy Swanson? Or is, she, is it just her playing different kinds of girls who are all the Slayer? Because we know the, the, the Slayer verse, you know, we know the generation of Slayers. They are all, there's all over the world every day you know there's different kinds of girls who become potentials and they might get called up so the slayer power kind of you know sort of go not really transcends into them but they just the next chosen one um but like this makes it sound like there's only one girl every time the way merrick does it merrick's like every time i'm reborn i have to train the girl so is it merrick every time there's no council of watchers and then what happens when Merrick dies, which we see in both the comic and the movie. Spoiler alert, sorry, for people who haven't watched it yet. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. We should have thrown that out there. His masterpiece. It, sorry. It, it was released um, in 1992, however, if you haven't yeah. seen it at this stage. Well, I suppose <laughs> I should, you hadn't seen it till last week. But yeah, but don't, funny don't you should I think for, for Merrick... Yeah, for Merrick <laughs> in, in this incarnation, Merrick is... Well, he's obviously not immortal. But he no. is undying. He's just, if you he's like. undying. He's just yeah. reborn as the same thing with the same pers per uh, purpose all over again. But like, okay, so there is no council of watchers. I take it. There's just Merrick training the one slayer every time. He has to find her again and again every time. Does that mean it's going to be Christy Swanson every time? Or is it going to be another girl every time? Because I take it they just cast, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they just cast Christy Swanson to be, another girl they just stuck a wig on her you know mm -hmm. and then stick her in a different dress from a different timepiece or whatever period and bam she's another slayer and it could have been budgeting issues as well you know the movie had to be filmed in five weeks so they had to do it in some way but it, it you know it's 
Now I lost my train of thought there. Um, oh yeah, so what happens with Merrick then when he dies? So he dies, do we have to wait till he's reborn into another baby? Or does it? Is there someone else that then gets called? Because if he has to be reborn, that's a good chunk of time for vampires yeah. to take over. I think they don't just lay exactly. low until Merrick is old enough to find the Slayer again, and then it all happens. So there's just a lot of, you know, again, you know, silly mistakes and plot holes in this you know, first draft of, of, of the, the whole Buffy verse. Um, still fun to watch, but yeah, it, it you, you do start, you know, looking for those little holes and everything. Um, you do start wondering, like, how, how does this happen? How does this, how does it continue then? Yes, I, I, I think so. Like, you know, is this, you know, was this supposed to be the start of a series, you know, a series of films? You know, knowing what we know now, mm-hmm. again, thanks to the TV series, um, you know, there's a lot of the plot holes that we've just obviously uncovered, you know, they, they get filled or they get rewritten or they get retconned, you know, and that's fine. That's that's great. You have the space to do that in a TV series. But if this yeah. was a standalone film, then yes, absolutely. There was, yeah. it, it could have taken, I think, another couple of passes through the editing suite. Oh, definitely. It could have taken a couple of passes at, a lot of stuff to be honest <laughs> not just the editing suite um but yeah and then what i do uh oh yeah and one thing as well what i, I mentioned the montage shot earlier right so when merrick approaches her and i, I don't know if you noticed this this might just be my um keen of fashion sense peeking out here but um when merrick approaches her in the locker room she's wearing like a green shirt and uh like you know uh jeans or shorts and the top and then you, you see the montage happening. And then at the end of that montage, it's her talking to Merrick in that warehouse wearing the same outfit. Mm-hmm. So did everything just happen on the same day? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how these things work. To the same day. What, what happened there? <laughs> oh, sorry. And, and didn't even break a sweat during because yeah. well, that was actually just because Christy Swanson is an amazing athlete. It's nothing to do with Buffy. Um, but <laughs> I, I think as well, I mean, I wonder if, you know, that is, I think it's a symptom of the rush production schedule, but also yeah. was it something of a gag thrown in as well? Because, oh crap, we need her to be a slayer. Does... Oh, get it done in the afternoon. She'll be fine yeah. by the evening. And they were really trying to exploit that as much as possible. Because like when she's like fighting vampires outside with, um, with Luke Perry and he's like, oh, could you grab me that? Or she has to grab, I can't remember at one point exactly, but she has to grab like a piece of wood and instead of just running over, she does backflips. She just backflips <laughs> from one thing to another and it's just taking longer than from the time she could have ran over and she probably could have already killed three vampires in the time that she spent doing backflips. Um, now, obviously, they probably had to show like Buffy is extraordinary. She's a slayer. She's not like other girls so she backflips everywhere rather than walks like what is up with that i know i know there was uh, <laughs> i had a, a good giggle as well when we get to the prom and the, the vampires arrive and she goes out to confront them now by no means is this movie the only one guilty of this but it's the old standard they all stand in a circle and she fights one of them and then the next one comes up and she fights the next yeah. one and everything it's like if you all just rushed her at once anyway but yeah, yeah. No, there's a there's a lot of it's it's funny visual comedy now whether it was meant to be funny visual comedy or not it is funnier in the watching of it don't know if fran meant it that way but joss whedon definitely did it didn't mean it that way um yeah because uh because i've read like i've like i said i reread the origin comic then and a lot of it is same like pike's in there you know and uh you know all the characters are there her friends are there a lot of the dialogue is much of the same 
there's a lot that's different though so just to compare and contrast as well it's like Merrick dies he dies a bit of a silly death in the movie right he just get like Nota just happens to be stronger than him and stakes him in the heart mm. that's it but like well no offense to Merrick I mean we've seen him kind of struggle with a vampire for a bit but is he is he meant to just be an old man who's unable to fight because how is he meant to how is this old man meant to train a slayer who's meant to be stronger than all the human beings in the world how is he able to tell her how, how is he able to like physically train her when he can't even hold his own himself i mean we remember giles for example giles the ripper in the show was you know meant to be he, he kind of could have hold his own he was able to fight here and there but merrick didn't seem like he could and then he had to train a girl and then he had he tried to go up against a vampire who is way stronger than this girl who has lived for centuries and yeah so obviously he's gonna get staked and i don't know if that was one of the changes that uh fran or donald brought in because um, i know whedon um had merrick actually shoot himself in the head because mm. buffy escapes on the bike and um she and pike escape the fight scene and merrick says uh sorry lotha says to merrick you're going to tell, you know everything about her. I'm just going to get into your head and you're going to give me that information. And Merrick shoots himself in the head. No, I and think... that's, it's pretty dark. And that's what kind of propels Buffy into a big, that's her character change. That's her realizing. That's kind of the catalyst. You know, to, it, you that's know, her realizing. I in a way, make her grow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's much more. Yeah, it's like makes her realize there's much more to this world than prom. Her world is forever changed now. And the guy she has grown, who has trained her for this and who has grown to, you know, she's grown to like and stuff and kind of bond some sort of friendship with. He dies in order to protect her. Where, you know, and it, it, it's done well in the original script, but in the movie, it just doesn't make sense. In the movie, it should make her want to kick ass. It's like the vampires killed him. So I'm just going to hide and run away and go shopping and go to prom mm. like that's that's kind of a slap in the face to merrick as well because then merrick died for nothing a, a, a little bit a little bit i think <laughs> you were saying as well as cheers merrick yeah, i'm out like, oh, uh, i think um as far as i know it was donald sutherland who didn't want to do the suicide scene he changed it to the yeah. to the murder scene and i okay. i do think that's to the detriment of the character um now i don't yeah. think there was enough of merrick in the film to be a full character i think he he was always sort of a, a plot point more so than well okay to be honest none of the characters are particularly developed in this film but i think merrick yes. suffers quite a <laughs> bit from that um especially because oh, it seems like something you know who um, quoting whedon here apparently very very good actor not a very uh team player not much of a team player he, he wasn't very interested in you know being directed but um yeah. He plays him obviously as the mysterious figure. That's fine. Eric is mysterious, but at one point, and I was watching this going like, did I just see that? He does a full on mustache twirl. Yes. And I thought, yes. Is he, is he playing? Is he a baddie? What was you know, that? What is this? I was like, what was that about? Oh my god! And I was just like, okay, so first you have you know Lothar's or the artist formerly known as Lothos, <laughs> and then you have him doing mustache twirls while throughout the entire movie he's been very stoic and quiet and you need to be trained and you are the chosen one and this is you and then suddenly what was up with that where did that come from so it did not add up to the character at all 
And no. I guess they just had to keep it in, I guess, to please him, or maybe it w- he wouldn't do the scene without. So at one point, you're just like, whatever, we're just doing this. Very, very um, possible. And I think it, it, at the stage, if, if you look at who else was in the film, I think it would be kind of, well, if that's what Donald wants, that's what Donald gets, you yes, know? That's exactly Which it. is hilarious. That's- and I mean, it certainly adds a lot to the comedy of the film. But yes, I can imagine a heartbroken screenwriter walking away and not coming back. Yeah, I can. I, 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 I could hear it. You know, I could feel the heartbreak. I could just hear like something shatter and Joss Whedon walking off set at that point. Be like, no, this is not happening. <laughs> I... um, did you know that they actually wanted Alyssa Milano for yes, Buffy? Yes, I did see that. And what do you think of that? I, I think it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm sure she could have played it. Now, I I hands in the air. I never watched Charmed. I am aware of the show. You haven't. I have never seen Charmed. You haven't seen... Get on Charm, dude. Get on Charm. No, seriously. Because um, it's like Buffy and Angel. It was off its time. And all... I don't know about here in Ireland. I know the BBC had it because I watched everything double. I watched everything on the channels back home in Holland. And then I know BBC would air it two days later. So I watched it again on BBC. Um, so the nights were always like Buffy Charmed Angel. That's what it was always like. And those were, I think, always my Thursday nights. So Thursday nights in as out of office. Okay, okay, I was in school, but still, from nine, was it from eight thirty till eleven thirty? Inna is upstairs in her room. Do not disturb her. She's watching Buffy, Charmed, and Angel. That was my evening. Thursday night, I was not leaving the house. And Charm definitely fits in. I think Alyssa Milano could have been a good Buffy as well, because um, she was big from uh, Who's the Boss at the pi- at that point, and you know she was a child actor as well. And I think she would have suited the part. Um, now, some say she it was lucky she dodged that bullet and it gave her the role of Charmed, which took also a lot of inspiration for Buffy, but for witches. Mm. Um, and you can you can you can clearly tell that, though. Um, it's 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 like if you like Buffy, you like Charmed, basically. I just I was thinking of rewatching it recently, but I've watched it so many times. I just couldn't. <laughs> well, um, I think I, I, there's yeah, I, I, there's so many shows where I'm like, that, like, oh, I'd love to sit down and watch it again. But if I close my eyes, I can just start an episode one and hit play in my head. You know, yeah. which saves a little bit of time. But no, I saw that about Alyssa Milano, and I saw uh, somebody made a good point. Now, I don't know whether this is fair, so I'm just putting all yeah. the blame on whoever originally made this point. Is that, you know, Alyssa Milano obviously landed the role in Charmed, and her career took off. Christy mm-hmm. Swanson landed the role of Buffy, and that was her biggest film. Yeah, so, but then you start thinking, is this the actor's fault is it their agent's fault because you see a lot of actors coming up and then dropping off and people are always like where were they what happened to them you know oh they were horrible but then it's like but is it their fault are they really you know are they just not good at acting did they maybe refuse or were they not able to develop themselves a little further did life took a different turn or was it their agents were their agents not good enough because christy swanson i mean she had the looks you know and there was a serious amount of times during the movies where I was like, I really hope she's wearing a sports bra for this because her <laughs> size really looks like she should for all the punching and kicking and jumping around she's doing. Um, and this is common from someone with a really flat chest, so I can't really speak out of experience, but I was quite worried for her. Um, but <laughs> there, she had a certain image that at that point in time, especially in the 90s, she was only going to be typecast for you know, yeah. they're like, and like, she wasn't, you know, if she wanted to do something else, she wasn't going to get much out of it. I, I did have to Google her actually after the movie. And I mean, she was the the wife in Big Daddy. 
Um, oh, what else? Sorry, yeah. I'd actually forgotten she's, that. I loved that movie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. I hadn't seen it in years now. Um, she's done. What else has she done? Um, she was a mannequin too, but I've never watched it. Ferris Bueller. I don't remember her in Dude, Where's My Car? But then again, I haven't seen that movie since I was 18. So mm. I can't really say One that. One of the greatest um, films of uh, Sean William Scott's career. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, but I think that's that's kind of the point is that now, as, as you rightly say, whose fault is it? Is it the actor? Is it the agent? Is it both? Is it neither? You know, who who controls these things? Do we as audiences control these things? If that's true, yeah. you know, how do some actors out there keep getting work? But, um, I, in a way, obviously, no, look, in a way, I'm I'm glad she moved away from the role. Now, whatever it happened, whatever happened with her career afterwards, I, for, for, for me, yep, yeah, uh, there's no question. Sarah Michelle Gellar is, is, is my Buffy. Is but Buffy. I... I, I don't think that there should be any 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 hate toward Christy Swanson's Buffy no. or anything like that. It just, it was a different take on the character. So in a way, that sort of brings us forward, you know, 20 years nearly to the idea of the reboot that uh, yeah. was initially announced in 2009. Uh, Fran Kazooie was actually announced a 2009 reboot. Now that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and then obviously Joss Whedon has spoken about the the flip flop reboot continuation potentially. Mm-hmm. Who knows that might be coming in? And I say might because these things get greenlit and get it came out what three years ago, Something and like that. Yeah. they got a bit of backlash because there's no need for a reboot because they were take talking about making her African American and. Well, no offense, but no African American girl is going to be named Buffy because the reason. Joss Whedon even said himself he picked such a silly name was because it was to kind of change the image of a valley girl. You know, she was meant to be a conceited blonde bimbo who then whose life then completely takes a different turn. So it's just it's very lazy to say, to then say, oh, we're just going to do Buffy and reboot it and just give it a different actor. And I'm like, why would you do that? Because this entire Buffy verse or the Slayer verse is so big. Just continue another generation. Just do that. You know, I, just. I think yeah, I yeah. I, def- I definitely I definitely take your point there. Um, I feel that you know the the idea of what he he was trying back in ninety one ninety two with this idea that this name of Buffy this this Valley character because of the the TV series but also the movie but we'll say the TV series yeah. the name Buffy is now ironically connected to power. It is now a very yeah. very powerful name, and it's you know she is. Like, you know, to, she's like Captain Kirk. She's like um, Luke Skywalker in that this huge pop culture icon. And, you know, we, we can we can have, obviously, the, the fear that comes with any reboot. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's sometimes they do things well. Uh, oh, argu- yeah. Arguably the J.J. Abrams 2009 film, I think, did a very, very good take reboot on, on Star Trek. Um, and then... You know, but would anyone dream of rebooting Star Wars in recasting? Yeah. Well, they tried. I mean, Disney tried. No, um, yeah, Johnson tried. Like, um, um, Kathleen Kennedy tried. That didn't go down very well. Um, well, so, I do have to say, like, I don't know. It depends because I read the comic reboots. 
the one Boom Studios picked up. I mean, the, the reason I just took it on was because I thought the cover art was amazing. I was like, you know what? Even if the comics aren't nice, I'm just going to keep collecting the cover art because they do a lot of, um, not fan service, but like, I mean, it is fan service, I suppose, but they're not do they're not giving, how do I say it? Like, you know, they're not, they're not changing the story for what the fans want it to be. You know, it's clearly made from a fan's perspective and they just put a modern twist on it. And like the cover, the cover art just brings back a lot of, uh, you know, of our favorite characters mm. that we are familiar with in the show. And it still uses their image and it uses certain scenes. Like um, you have that amazing cover from um, uh, uh, the gentleman, oh, yes, yeah. you know, that's been done or the other one from um, what's the one with mother's milk is red today. Mother milk, mother's milk is red. Um, that like I got those covers. They're very dark and very amazing. I got the one from Angel with their Kindestot on it. They're just they're just nice to have if you're a fan, you know. But it's not even what the comics are about. They're not even revamping those monsters or anything. It's just it is a it is a reboot of Buffy. It is still initially the same story. Buffy's new in Sunnydale and all that stuff. They just gave her an iPhone. They just you know made it Sunnydale 2019 2020, um, and it's 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 not. Um, politically infused as well like it's not used as you know as a method for people to push their agenda like i don't know if you heard about the comic man eaters no um i read a f the first few issues of that and it's basically created you know from a, a, a you know really strong perspective that women are better than men and that um you know there is a, is a certain time of the month it's like when women get their periods if i remembered correctly um, they turn into actual cats and they only kill men. And the writer and the creator got so much backlash for it that people started tweeting them and they just started putting those tweets in the book, in, in their issues. Hmm. And by, now I have to say, I mean, it's a good take on it. I think I read the first three, four issues and I wasn't having any of it because I was like, I don't need that. I mean, you know, it's just, I just want to read something. You know, if, if that's what you're into, completely fine. I'm not putting it down. I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, I'm not saying it's better than everything else either. It's just not my cup of tea. And whereas what I found in, in a lot of reboots, you know, they try to push their political Hollywood agenda. We need more diversity. Okay, just make the actor African-American. Just put an Asian one there and just make one Latina. You know, it's just, you know, oh, let's just turn all the male characters into a woman. Like, it's, no, it's that it's lazy, it's sloppy. And I feel as well that, you know, that that women deserve original stories. And Buffy definitely was an original story. And the comic reboots kind of honored that. They just like, you know, put a bit in put in a bit more technology and they did a nice spin and they took a bit more risks. Now, if this is a spoiler, sorry, um, you know, Xander turns into a vampire. You know, that's like they would they played it safe in the series by not turning him, you know, and then in the movie they made it uh they made uh, David Arquette a vampire who was, you know, a friend but not such a big character that it would be heartbreaking. Whereas in the series, it would be completely heartbreaking if we had to see one of Scooby's turn. You know, let's say we all cried our eyes out when uh, when Jenny died. Ooh, yeah. So, you know, let alone if Willow, or, if Willow or Alexander had to turn and they, you know, Buffy had to legitimately kill them. So they kind of take a bit more leaps with the comic book. And I like it because it's clearly written like Jordi Belair, who's writing the, the, the reboots. She's clearly, um, she's, cl she's clearly a fan. You know, and I can appreciate that. It's not. It's not just done to. Um, it's not. Ju it's not just you know, lip it's service. Not just done
Yeah. It's not just lip service. That's it. It's done. It's and it's very entertaining. I definitely recommend that as well if you want a bit of a buffy fix. Um and it's fun to just compare and contrast to see where it started, you know, from the Christie Swanson film to where it originally, you know, where it's ended. Like I I I like <laughs> that as well because I mean for for, for better or worse, it is. It's it's the film. It's the '92 film with Christy Swanson, with Donald Sutherland, with Luke Perry, and I'm gonna forget actors yeah. again. With all those lovely people, <laughs> that that is what started this. There was enough interest came from that that you know they decided, all right, well look, let's give yeah. a TV series a go. It was a, a mid-series TV replacement, so that's why the first season is so much shorter yeah. than the other seasons. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's issues in season one, even though I really enjoy it. You know, there was, obviously it addresses events that if you had come from the film, you wouldn't have seen the burning down of the gym, which is in yeah. the origin, yeah. but it's not in the film. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there was, uh, there was obviously a very different take on Merrick that we saw then in Becoming, uh, Richard, yeah. Richard Real, Richard Reilly, yeah. um, Apologies if I said that wrong. Um, and, you know, I, I, I realized that there was a, a definite choice on the part of Joss Whedon to change everything about that character yeah. that he could. Yeah. And um, he didn't. He, he just didn't Did want to bring Donald Sutherland back either Excellent. based on the experience, which I can understand. If you had a bad work, bad work experience with someone, exactly. you, you like don't want to relive there's, that. There's, there's lots of stories in which Hollywood are turning it around and there's even more stories where, where people don't. And, that's that's between those two men to hash out between themselves but i think you know i suppose final thoughts the the film it's it's silly even when it tries to take itself seriously which it doesn't do too often which based on based on the presentation that we got i won't say the script because the script obviously went through a few changes and then you know people changed lines or whatever based on the presentation that we got it doesn't it doesn't hang its hat on heavy, nope. heavy seriousness. Whereas you know the the show managed to balance that comedy a bit more. I think the 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 moment, or well, the several moments that take me out of the film, but in just the funniest way, is Paul Rubin's death scene, which was totally improvised. Yes, he he gets staked, and then it just goes on for two or three minutes where yes. he's just rolling all over the floor and you just wonder it's like why why was this left i mean it's hilarious but why it's did they funny. leave this in the film why did they leave this in yeah that completely broke the entire it was funny but like there was not enough like the movie was just silly you know and i think if you would have watched that especially at the time you would have been like what is this tripe what is going on here i came for a movie about a girl you know killing vampires or you get this this silly stuff but then that took it to another level of comedy and while it was funny you know it 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 wasn't necessary to kept it to keep in because it didn't really fit the comedy of the rest of the movie i i found i thought it yeah. just went that it, step up in that one it like went up a little bit for those two three minutes and then it went back down to what it was again um, get the impression that it was it wasn't so much that Amelin had been killed by Buffy it was that Paul Rubens had been released from his work on the film and was yes. enjoying every second of it that he could get away yes. with yes <laughs> definitely it's like I'm out of here bye but I also got to drag this out for a little while <laughs> just a little bit it's like I'm getting paid by the minute 
Um, so just what, <laughs> what, what, what's, your, what's your closing thoughts on this film? Closing thoughts on this film. Um, I think it's fun. Um, it's fun, you know, if you appreciate silly movies from the 80s, 90s, you know, with uh, silly effects and all that stuff, then it's definitely fun, definitely a fun watch. And I would recommend it if you're up for a night of watching movies that don't take themselves too seriously. You know, if you are really serious about films, then definitely do not watch it because you're <laughs> not going to like anything about it. And the presence of certain actors isn't really going to make any much of, it, make much of a difference because it's just... Just steer clear from it then. Just don't. Um, for Buffy fans, you know, you either love it or hate it. Um, I always hated it until I watched it the other day. And now I just take it. I, I take it as its own thing. I wouldn't have minded if it was the prequel, even though there was a few changes here or there. But I, I just, in generally, I see it as a thing of its own and separate to the series. And it's a nice little, you know, it's, it's like a, a draft of the Buffy story. And I think we kind of have to you know, appreciate its history and where it came from. And it is because it has brought us the amazing show that we all have grown to love at the end of the day. That is true. And, you know, we can, we can say, we can say what we like about this and that, but at the end of the day, that is, that is the truth. It gave us the franchise that is, you know, the Buffy and Angel, the Whedon verse, yep. if you like. And I can, I can only thank it for that. Definitely. So that's the end of our episode this week, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Whether you think we're mad for what we've said, think we're stunning, wonderful, or frankly, think we're on crack, let us know. Inda, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Nowhere. Um, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, well, my Instagram's private, but um, I have a Twitter that's public. It's Inda Pinda and an underscore. It's just my name. And then uh, P-I-N-D-A underscore followed. Um, and yeah, that's public. So feel free to, you know, harass me on there. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm horrible. I don't care. Just, you know, if you want to catch me, you can catch me on there. Um, and there's a few other things I've got coming up, but I'm not able to share that right now. So maybe if we do another episode, I will probably be able to share it then. But until yep. then, stay tuned. I like that. That is an excellent bit of foreshadowing and an excellent little bit of uh, <laughs> getting getting in the people to come back. I love it. So, um, well, I would absolutely love to have you back on for this because uh, I think you've made some really, really excellent points this week. And um, I got to sit back and just enjoy myself for an awful lot of the episodes. So thank you very much. That's good. Thank you very uh, much as well. You that was are fun. very, very welcome. Very welcome. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to myself, I am on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, just check out at Sean Ferrick for any of those. That'll, that'll, uh, that'll catch me. Uh, please consider following the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or on the podcast catcher of your choice. If you want to get in touch with that or suggest any themes for episodes, please fire an email to youroncrackmate at gmail.com. And the podcast is also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's youroncrackmate. Twitter, it's youroncrackpod. Please rate, review if you can. Every word goes a long way. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear a little bit more or even get access to exclusive content, head over to my Patreon account, which I will link in the description. And for just a small price of just about a coffee a month, you can get access to exclusive episodes before they air and even be a part of the creative process. We'll be back next week for another episode of You're on Crack, Mate. I've been Sean, and you have been awesome. <laughs>